Hello, this is former Fox Sports Wisconsin anchor and proud fellow Wauwatosan Jeff Grayson. From my position high in the booth, it appears conditions are good for this much-anticipated matchup. Let's go down to the studio. The action is about to start. It's season four of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. My name is Jim Martin with my co-host, as always, Chris Beyer. Hello. Today, we have an author with us. She's also a health and wellness speaker, uh, an awesome jack of all trades, she calls herself. Sometimes uncensored is, is how she's described here. So uh, we're going to try and keep her censored or at least, you know, <laughs> beep her out when we need to. But uh, Jen Wirtz is with us today. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So your latest book, I should mention, is called Recalibrate, right? Yes, sir. And, and your other book is called Fit Mama. So yes. you've got two books out. Okay. Yes, sir. Let me say something. This is an actual author. Sometimes <laughs> we have fake authors on. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yes, I'm pretty legit. Some of our podcasts involve premises where people come on and they pretend some of the art. You are an actual author. Right. Yes, sir. I can mm-hmm. attest to that. Okay. My readers can too. So when did the book, when did their latest book come out, Recalibrate? When did that? So it unofficially dropped in July, officially dropped September 29th. Nice. Yep. Well, congratulations on that. That's Thank always you. That's a big deal. Are you, have you been doing book tours? I mean, you know, virtual, but. I just put together a virtual book tour, um, a virtual book club, and that's going to be set to start this coming week. We're going to be doing a chapter a week for the next 10 weeks or so. Okay. Um, and then my goal is to start on my virtual book tour here in 2021. You know, I just wanted to get my exposure of the recalibrate out. And then COVID kind of happened. Yeah. Um, so that kind of put a kibosh on the actual book tours, if you will. But sure. right. yeah. Okay. So. We want to thank Michelle Tonkovitz. Yeah. Hey, Jim. How do you say it, Jim? Yeah. Michelle Tonkovitz. Tonkovitz. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. yep. She got us this interview here today. What's your relationship with her? So it's pretty magical, actually, the way that we found each other. So I had um, finished my book actually back uh, last October, and I had all these intentions to be able to publish it and get it out there. And my editor that I had worked with with my first book, she ended up getting swept up with COVID coverage. So my book went on the back burner for quite some time, for several, several months, and then probably in... March or April of this of this year, I did a lot of work that um, I talk about in my book, like attentional work and that kind of thing, and just cleared all the blocks that I needed to clear. And the universe answered like like that. It was probably within three week period where I was talking to a friend. She introduced me. She's like, I have this person. She's a fitness instructor. She now just opened up her PR company. She would, you know, just check her out. Her name is Michelle. I'm like, okay, great. Send her my information. So we did a soft intro and we just hit it off. She was, she was great. And then she introduced me to Wendy, who is working with me. You know, she's my booking agent. And then I connected back with the editor, one of the editors that I worked with, marketing directors that I worked with in my first book. She just happened to be in my phone after five years of not talking to her. All these things happened within three weeks, super quick. And then probably from when we started talking to probably about a month and a half later, that was when my book officially dropped and Michelle did all of her magic with her team. She's amazing. 
I Chris love Jones. working with her. Now really you're do. down in Florida, right? Yes, sir. Uh, are you a, a lifelong Floridian or? Uh, no, I was actually born in India. I was adopted when I was two years old and I was raised south of Boston. Um, so like all American family, two older brothers. My mom was a nurse. My dad was a firefighter. Big, huge extended family. Went to college uh, like I was supposed to. Then I moved down to Philadelphia for a couple of years. Worked in my first career. Uh, got bored and then moved out to Seattle. Lived in Seattle for, I'm going to say like 15 plus years. And then I had to dry out. My husband at the time, we, we were just starting our family. We wanted to be on the same, in the same time zone as our families. So we decided to move here uh, in Florida where the school systems are great. And I'm a mile and a half from the beach. So that's, uh, that's a good, good deal. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. okay, I'm going to ask a little bit about uh, some of the questions that we've gotten here. I would consider some of the things you talk about in your book um, eh, sort of like I would call them new age, right? Meditation, visualization, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Tell a little bit about your back backstory, how you got into this. What was your path? Sure. So my path was super convoluted. I grew up in like, like I said, like an all-American family where I was always taught to be nice and put on a good front, kind of go with the flow. I had all of my needs met. I was a picture of like security and confidence and fun and just kind of what every kid was supposed to be like, I guess, right? But from as long as I can remember, from as far back as I can remember, I was riddled with this depression and this self-doubt and this lack of worthiness. And I wrestled so much uh, starting probably middle school and high school with this awkward, you know how everybody has those awkward teenage years, you know what I mean? But, But mine like was just just hardcore. I started, you know, drinking and smoking and doing all the things in high school and then reveled in the black sheep, you know, label that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't get any better in college. Uh, most people are, go to college and they're like, it's the best time in your life. You find yourself. And you do. It was terrible for me. It mm-hmm. just heightened my anxiety. I went to a college where um, it was a small private college in Western Massachusetts and everybody had an eating disorder and everybody played sports. So I, the only way I could fit in was to make sure that my eating disorder was on par. And I started mm-hmm. drinking because I thought that, that was what I was supposed to do. And post-collegiate, I went out to Seattle and I started dating this guy that was a friend of my brother's, my older brother. So he was kind of like pre-approved. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a disaster. It was a disaster. <laughs> and I started managing bars and kind of getting into that lifestyle. Um, my depression just hit me hard. I, I just had no idea what I was going to do with my life. And I was like, I didn't come out here to be a bartender for the rest of my life. I thought that I, was going to be doing bigger things. I was just not happy. But on the outside, I had all of my crap together. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, everybody was like, you're so successful. You have all these careers. You have have a great physical life. You have a great, you you know, you pay bills, you do this and this. And And I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. But if anybody actually really knew me, they would have known that I tried to kill myself multiple times. I just, there was just so many things going on. I just wasn't happy at all. That guy that I was dating, I ended up getting married, divorced in the short, maybe like four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I decided that, you know, okay, well, I'll just go back to school. So I decided that I was going to go back to school for nursing. I met a guy and we got together and our relationship was built on being in the service industry. So I was, we were always drunk and just <laughs> having a good time. Um, and one day he just kind of turned to me and was like, if you want this relationship to work, you have to stop drinking. And anybody that has an addictive personality uh, would tell you that that was, that's like the worst thing that anybody can ever ask you to do. So I, like every other major thing, every other major decision I made in my life, it was basically non-emotional. And I was like, okay, whatever. Okay, I'll do it. So I lived in Seattle at the time and I went to Shikshadal uh, Hospital. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but mm. basically they use aversion therapy to, and it's a 10 day program to help you kick your addiction. It's, it has since changed him. So I don't know if it's the same I'm sure it's the same concept, but it's all in my book. It's a pretty fantastic story, actually. I haven't drank since 2010. I think, oh, wow. 2000, I okay. think yeah. So, yeah, they use aversion therapy, uh, which is pretty cool. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Clockwork Orange, but if not, then check out that movie, and then yeah. you'll be able to see the similarities on that one. Okay. Um, I just kind of stopped drinking then. Still was really just not really knowing what the heck I was going to do with my life. At that point, even though I was uh, a nurse and I picked up Jack Canfield's uh, success principles back mm-hmm. in like 2013 and it changed my life, but it changed my life in a way that I can say it didn't work for me, but it, th- it started me down a path where I was like, okay, well, you know, do I do these affirmations every day? Do I like make all these vision boards? Do I do, you know, do I call on the universe? Do I pray to God? Like, what am I doing here? But it was just a really cool way to start me on figuring out what worked for me. And then fast forward, maybe like five years or so, and I finally stumbled upon and back upon Gabby Bernstein and Dr. Wayne uh, Dyer and Csikszentmihalyi, Stephen Kohler, like those guys that talk about flow and talk about those things and things. And that is what really changed my life. And so... Yeah, I just kind of started moving along with like Abraham Hicks and the universe. And yeah, it is kind of hippie, kind of kind of bull woo-woo stuff, you know, new agey stuff, but it works for me and I'm happier than I've ever been. So you've kind of blended Eastern and Western traditions, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I love about my careers as a traditional person, um, as a nurse, and then a massage therapist and then a health coach. Um, and then just me doing, you know, the author thing, the speaker thing. It's like everything that I love to do is all wrapped into one thing. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, like I go to work every day and I do this and this and this. I just, I have all these little things that I love to do and I get to do them, just mm-hmm. have fun with it. That's cool. I grew up in a Unity Church. I don't know if you've heard of Unity uh, uh-huh. going through all this stuff, but um, and so there's they're big with uh, like, you know, Hay House is is a big deal and, and meditation yep. and you know so. Um, I noticed you know you talked a lot about meditation and that's something that I've been doing since I was like twelve or something. But um, so uh, so anyway, so I'm familiar with that stuff, and I saw a lot of people on your website that you follow, like Stephen Kotler and mm-hmm. and uh, Brene Brown and and uh, 
uh, Esther Hicks, you know, Abraham Hicks and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so anyway, I, I'm familiar with a lot of those, a lot of those people, Jack Canfield, another one, but all the secret people, you know, people, yeah. all, all those <laughs> this is not an interview about me, but that's all stuff I'm interested in too. I just actually learned about Stephen Kotler. Chris, don't stop me. I can see you look, I can see. Tell me about your journey, Joe. <clears throat> <laughs> my journey was well, I started I was very young I wasn't sure what I was going to do um, but anyway I just I just heard about Stephen Kotler like a couple weeks ago and I, went, I got his uh, course on Mind Valley and and uh, I started that and then I got COVID so then I so I had to put that on hold so I'm starting all over again but anyway I was familiar with his TV show Welcome Back Kotler Mr. Yeah. Kotler yeah. Kotler <laughs> <laughs> So now your book is, it's heavily talking about meditation. That's one of the main topics, right? Yes, sir. How are you maybe taking meditation as a, I hesitate to say it, but as a business or as as something that you can do, you know, uh, as a practice? Sure. So that's actually a really good question. It's one of the things that I grappled with for a long time because I wrote the book because I I gained so much clarity in when I started doing my meditation. I started to understand why it was I was here because for so long I didn't know why. And I didn't know that having some fun and just doing my thing is why I'm here. For so long, I just like I made decisions based on other people and what they were going to respond like. And I was just a people pleaser beyond belief. And I just didn't like it anymore. And I just feel like when I can be when I can lead by example and meditate and do intentional work and show people that you can come from a place that is a complete and utter despair for you and your standard of of living. And you can come out with a, a life that you actually like to live and that you're proud of. If I can show that I can, that I came from here and go all the way over to here and I can use meditation as a catalyst for that, then my job is done. A lot of people will ask me, well, you know, like, how do I start meditating? Or, you know, what do I do? And my book goes into a couple of tools about basic meditations and, and what I did to start because I was that person in the yoga class that couldn't sit still for two seconds, that couldn't do the, the vinyasa or do anything without thinking about whoa, what are, what are people looking at? You know, am I, am I doing it right? I have all these other things I need to do. I could not settle my mind. When I show people that it's easy to meditate it because it's a practice and you focus on frequency versus duration and you don't have to sit in this like yogi pose for 20 minutes, an hour a day. You can say some prayers while you're going to work or you can sit in your car for five minutes we should clarify, you not be driving when you're meditating. If everybody's listening while they're driving, don't, don't meditate. <laughs> don't, clo- don't close your eyes anyway. You can do open-eye meditation. But not- I, I, think she, I think she was just about to admit she does. I, I, think, she, I think she was, yeah. I think, I think I have to be closing down the DMV's ears on this one. I was that person that had to listen to meditations and, and guided meditations while I was driving. No joke. I, I kid you not. Uh, when I first started, because that's the only time that I was in the zone, right? When you talk about meditation, you're talking about flow. You're talking about getting into a space where you're not thinking about anything else. And if that's the way you can get there, then so be it. 
it, it is funny because I listen to a lot of the, a lot of books on tape and I'm working from home now, so I don't drive to work as much. But when I did, I would, you know, I had like a half hour commute every, you know, there and back. So I would listen to that stuff and, and they would periodically do meditation. You should, if you're driving, you know, don't do this, move on to the next thing. Like, yeah, whatever. I didn't close my eyes and like, you know, start my deep breathing exercises, but, I, but I'm not telling anybody to do that. That's our disclaimer. <laughs> do not close your eyes and meditate. Why you listening to this podcast? Okay, just please. Yeah. <laughs> one uh, one mantra you oftentimes hear is when they talk about today's women, they say uh, you know, you can have it all. Is that really a thing, or is that just kind of a, a trap, setting this unattainable goal of quote unquote having it all? I think that having it all is it's a loaded it's a loaded statement. It's an ungettable get. If you are thinking about the mom that has a bunch of kids running around that is supposed to have this Lululemon fit body, right? And I love Lululemon. I wear Lululemon every day. They are supposed to be able to juggle a full-time job, perfect vegan lifestyle, meditate, do yoga, work out, come home, be the perfect wife, be the perfect, you know, A, B, and C, sit down, do, do homework, and then be wicked happy all the time too. I think it's a bunch of crap. But I think that that question is very relative to somebody that has practiced knowing what they want and knowing what makes them happy. Because right now I might have some of those things, but I feel like I have it all because I can balance things and I can say yes when I know that I'm saying no to everything else to, that does not serve me. And for me, I have it all. I think the timing on your book is really great because I think what I've noticed with the COVID and everybody kind of being in isolation and not you know, socializing and this and that, there's a lot of people who... Um, how can I put this? Like what I've noticed is if you're not strong in an area, it's going to amplify anything that's weak. It's in your body, in the society, that's in government, that's in the world, politics, everything. If there's a weak area, it amplifies it. A lot of people are going through a lot of stuff mentally and they're looking for answers. I think it's a, it's a good time for your book to come out because I think it, it's, it could help a lot of people, especially right now. That's a long way of saying, you know, Good timing for this, even though it's unfortunate because it means a lot of people are hurting and a lot of people are, are searching for things, but that's... Um, you not to blame for that, Jim. I, Jim, I are you to blame for any of this? I, Here's the like thing. It. I am not here to blame for anything. However, I do take full responsibility in letting the universe guide this book and when it was supposed to drop. Because if you remember, I said that this book was supposed to drop back in last year right. and divine intervention, whatever you call it, decided, you know what, this isn't the right time. And it's almost a year later and now it's dropped and boom, seriously universe. Like, are you joking me right now? This could not be more perfect. Right. I might not be to blame. I'm not taking blame for COVID, but I'll take blame for this perfect timing. For Responsibility. Sure. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You mentioned the word prayer. As Western society has become more secular, do you think that meditation is kind of taking the place of prayer in a way? Uh, that's actually a really good question. So I grew up and I was raised Roman Catholic, right? But as most Roman Catholics will tell you, you baptize, you get confirmed, you maybe go to church Christmas. After that, then you go to church on Christmas and Easter. And I got to a point in my life where I 
didn't really believe in one true religion. Um, went to Seattle and I did the hippie thing for a long time, right? And then I came down to Florida and regionally, this is a very religious section of the United States. You have a good balance of people that believe in religion as a traditional thing versus spirituality and can have that balance in their life where they're like, okay, well, I believe in Catholicism or or being Christian or Judaism, but then also let meditation and other spiritual things into their life and be okay with it. So I think that the people are starting to, I wouldn't say accept uh, spirituality, but I think that there's going to be a nice blending of the two and they're not going to, they're not going to be so defined. The other thing is uh, meditation doesn't have to be spiritual at all. I mean, because it's right. really just, it's just calming your mind and calming your thoughts and letting, you know, letting your body relax and, you know. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the book, but like, what about some kind of practical tips? Like what are, what is a daily routine for you? What do you normally, what do you make sure? Okay. I make sure I meditate, visualize, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of things that I do that are non-negotiables for me. So when I wake up in the morning, before I even get out of bed, I think of a couple of things that I really like at that point. So did I get a really good sleep? Did I, oh my gosh, these pillows are just amazing. You know, it's, it sounds like stupid things. It sounds like silly things, but they're just things that I really appreciate in the morning, right then and there, uh, in real time. Then I get up to my, you know, do my thing. I make my coffee and then I go and I work out. And now I go in my workout in my, in my workout room. Uh, Cause I don't have to drive to the gym. I can't, I don't think I've worked out in real clothes in eight months. And then um, on my way to, to work, I listen to whatever podcast that is up and coming, you know, like bait and switch or whatever. Not so, right? Non-negotiable. So then I do that. And then when I get to work, uh, I make sure that I get to work at least a half hour before I need to. And I literally sit in my car and I meditate in my car for at least 15 minutes. And I wear my earbuds into work. And everybody knows that when I, when I have my, when I have my earbuds in, they, they can't talk to me because I'm either listening to a podcast, or I'm listening to a presentation, I'm listening to my music, I'm doing my thing. And usually I break into my day probably about I don't know, half hour uh, when I get to work. It takes me about a half hour to do my thing. And then I just go on with my day. Throughout the day, I make sure that I catch myself at least a couple of times during the day. And I catch myself in a good mood. I catch myself when the universe is like winking at me or doing something cool or like when I'm noticing like a coincidence or like a what, you know, like, oh my gosh, can you believe that that happened moment? That's another thing that I just, I really try to recognize that and just be intentional with that. It really helps me to flip that switch and turn things around if I'm having a crappy hour or two or if like life is just coming at me and I'm like, oh my gosh, stop. At the end of the day, when I get home, um, after I feed the kids, do the showers, do the, you know, things with things, I make sure that I write in my book, my notebook, I have this, you know, long notebook of things that I have appreciated throughout the day. And then I write down everything that I've noticed that went my way. And then I also write down the things that either big or small that could have gone better. But the reason why I write that down is to look at it and shift my perspective and say, 
what kind of things did I learn about this? What was the universe giving me that I asked for before, but just in a different package? For instance, there's a, there's a couple things that have been going on in my life that, I'm, that have been like, why is this universe dropping this on me right now? And I think about it and I'm like, okay, you know what? I asked for clarity in my finances. I asked for clarity in my business and this is how it was delivered. So when I take the time at the end of the day to really look at things and see how it played out, I can really shift my perspective and see like, yeah, it actually really worked out the way that it was supposed to, just not the way that I thought it was going to be. That's okay. It's taken me a long time. It's taken me years to like develop that. Well, with that, I'm going to tell you that the universe is dropping on you the end of this half of the podcast. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But we're going to take a little bit of a break. And we'll come right back. Okay. Sounds good. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast for the conclusion of our interview with lifestyle guru and author Jen Wirtz, when she talks about the intense focus she brings to all her pursuits. Instead, I was the high school student that was running cross country that I was just like walking across the finish lines. Are you yeah. sure it wasn't the hiking team that you were on? No. <laughs> no. You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.